was four and a half. So I, got, I have a yeah, message here tonight that I'm uh, on my heart. Is, uh, it's in three Gospels, the same message in three Gospels. But let's just, let's just pray first. All right, so Father, we just thank you for tonight. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for what we heard about joy. That was a great word, just on joy. God, we thank you for that. God, you are our joy. You are our strength. It comes from joy. We just thank you, Father for what you give to us by grace. And uh, just bless these words, God, to our hearts and your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, anyway, the thought is binding the strong man. You know, binding the strong man. So there's, is that in the, that's in the Gospels. It's in three Gospels, that same story. And uh, it's a great story, and I'll just give a... We're going to jump around a little bit, but um, I'll just give back just give background, then we'll then we'll go. I'm going to read one verse from Gospel of Mark in three chapter chapter three. Then we're going to go to, to Luke and read the whole thing. But I'm doing that for a reason. But in Mark three, let's just go there. And Yeah, verse 27. It's going to read that one verse, and we're going to go to read the whole thing in Luke 11. But the story, the, basically the story is Jesus is going to do a miracle. He's going to deliver a man who's uh, possessed with a demon, right? He's going to cast this demon out of this man, which Jesus did a lot uh, in the Gospels. We don't see it, we don't seem to see that so much in America. I mean, there is possession. Demon possession is real. I mean, I just, in our own ministry, I'm aware of it happened once. I was not there, but 35 years ago, Dr. Stevens up in Lenox, it, was, it happened. I don't know if you heard of that much time that time. Uh, obviously, it goes around, maybe there's the devil's more fluent, if you could say it that way, in other parts of the world. It's different in the West, but it doesn't mean there's still not possession. These things happen. Uh, but anyway, so the backdrop is Jesus is going to be casting out this demon, right? And he's accused by the Pharisees, religious people, of using Satan to cast out a demon. Yeah, he's being accused by them. So actually, the, the bottom line is, and he says this in, I think, at the end of Luke, I believe, in that story. We're, we're going to read it in a second. They're actually calling the Holy Spirit a demon. Yeah, they're calling the Holy Spirit a demon. That's what they're doing, the Pharisees, religious people. So let's just read the one verse in uh, uh, Mark 3, 27. Then we're going to read the whole story in Luke 11. So Jesus says, And no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. So, you know, many times there's this, the stories or these miracles or things happen 
they're spoken in, in other gospels, right? So Luke records it, but Luke doesn't say that. He doesn't say bind this, bind the strong man. He uses, he actually explains it in more detail, really, in his, you know, how he writes it. So in Luke 11, we'll go there, and Luke mentions armor, okay? So in other words, we're buying, he's buying, mentions binding of the devil is taking away his armor. So Luke adds to it the meaning there. So Luke 11, let's just read the whole story and then we'll talk about it. And uh, I'm actually going to, you know, we're going to touch on like a, a related to the devil's armor today. And our armor, but the devil has armor. So Luke 11, we're going to read a few verses there. Let me just get there first. Um, and okay, so we're going to actually start, I'm going to start in verse 14 and we're just going to read up to, uh, yeah, up to 23. Okay, so here's the whole, so Jesus, this, you know, Jesus does this casting out of the demon, and then he gives a parable about the whole situation, about the whole thing. So, in verse 14, and he was casting out the devil, and it was dumb. By the way, keep, keep notice of that, this here, it's a dumb and deaf spirit, it says that. I just, just keep a note of that because it's an interesting thing about what's happening. Um, you know, but we'll, I'll mention it later, but I'm saying, that for, I'm saying that for a reason. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb and it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. But some of them said he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he said, knowing their thoughts, but he knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because he say that I cast out demons or devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, and now in another gospel, he specifically says the Holy Spirit. If I by the Spirit of God, right? That's what the finger of God is. So if I by the Spirit of God or finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. One, and then he says, when a strong man, and now he's going to give a, a parable about this. So it, it happens, he's a you know, he gets accused, and then he gives definition on what he did, and then he's going to give a parable on it. Now, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor. So this is the binding that is recorded in Matthew and Mark, but he's def Luke's defining it more clear. It's armor. Taking away the armor is binding him, right? So what does it mean to bind? Anyway, it's just you, you wrap somebody up, you re restrain them, right? Bind them. So, uh, but here he's saying that meaning here is taking his armor wherein he trusted and divides his spoils, Spoils there being mean, referring to the person he just delivered. He's talking about him. Spoils are 
The goods are human beings, are people, right? That's the devil's goods, his spoils, right? And so that's, that's in the story. And he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me scatters. Uh, so I just, I just, there's three things. What I want to say is, um, so just want to mention three person, three key persons in the story. Simple, simple persons, meaning one, I think I take these off. So, one uh, is the strong man, right? The strong man who is Satan, right? Is these, these three key points in the story. Is the strong man is Satan, right? The second person, really the, the key person in the whole story is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is being attacked, but the Holy Spirit is who Christ is using to cast out uh, the demon and to bind the strong man. So, so the Holy Spirit is the stronger one in the story. The Holy Spirit is the stronger one. And then the third thing is the man with the dumb and deaf spirit. I think this is an interesting thought. It's a dumb and deaf spirit, and he made the person dumb and deaf, mute. A dumb and deaf spirit did this to him, right? It's a spirit, whatever that means, the, the power of the spirit, I don't know. But the point is, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. And... Uh, I just love this, I think it's G. Campbell Morgan, yeah, I'm pretty sure I read this from him, if you know that name. Uh, he said, I love how he, said, how he put this. Every, he said, every miracle of Jesus, there's an, you know, there's an incredible teaching in the miracle, okay? And every parable or teaching really is an amazing miracle. I love how he defined that. Like, the miracle, Jesus' teachings are amazing miracles in our lives as believers. They're miraculous. There's a spirit's involved, Christ is involved. But miracles that we read are also teaching, a teaching time. The principle is being taught in these when we read these things about what goes on. And I want to say one thought about the dumb and deaf spirit. Um, it's, you know, in Mark, like, for example, this whole thought of dumb and deaf spirit is just part of the whole thing that I'm going to mention later in the second Corinthians. But when Jesus, remember in Mark 4, is it Mark 4? Yeah, Mark 4 and, and then uh, Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, which we also might say the parable of the word, that, that whole parable Jesus gives in the word. At the end of both of those, he kind of, kind of concludes both of those. Let me, let me just, let me, let me read it real quick just so, because I want to just get this point across. Is, um, and I'm relating it to the dumb and deaf spirit. In Mark 4, oh, I'm sorry, I'll get it right. You don't have to turn your comments, I'll go there and read it. But he says this in both places. Um, and he's saying it to the Jews, who are, who are hard of hearing what he has to say, right? But he gives that parable, it has to do with hearing, right? And in verse uh, chapter four, at the end of the, at the end of that parable in the word, chapter four in Mark, verse twelve, that seeing they may see, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, at least at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. I'm just bringing this up about the, uh, you know, the strength. And the spirit of the devil is his blinding power, right? Blinding to our minds, blinding to the minds of the unsaved, right? And that's meaning we cannot, people cannot hear God, people cannot see God, right? They can't, like, 
as, as believers, we as believers. But even us as believers can fall into prey to that. We can become dull of hearing, right? It happens to us. But obviously the world is in the worst state. They cannot hear him, they cannot see him. And it's because of them being blinded by his armor, right? Now I'll say that in a second. But, but the second thing I mentioned was about the, uh, the second person, the Holy Spirit, right? I mentioned it again. And in John 16, the Holy Spirit is the one who convinces the world, right? Convinces the world of sin, righteousness, but the third one of judgment, right? Of Satan. He convinces the world of the judgment. He's convincing people of the judgment of Satan. His power has been taken away. His authority has been taken away. So his authority has been taken away, but he's still powerful as far as his influence, right? He's still very powerful in terms of his influence. So let me, you know what, I'm going to go back now to Luke. And before I jump around, jump to another section to get into this. This is, this is what I mean by that. In, in the Luke 11, we just read the next verse, um, which is continuing, and it's talking about the unclean spirit. But I think it's, it's amazing progression of what goes on there. So, in it's verse 24 in Luke 11. This, this does tie together, though it may seem like it doesn't. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he saith, I will return to my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he finds it swept and garnished. Then he goes and taketh, takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Meaning, someone gets delivered to something, right? They get victory, whatever it is. They get, I'm not even, not, maybe not even Christian. Maybe they just get victory over... Uh, an issue in their life, alcohol in their life, maybe, maybe that happens. But instead of adding, instead of adding the spirit to their life, instead of adding the word to their life, instead of adding body, the body of Christ to their life, instead of doing that, they don't, they don't do that. And things get worse. Things get worse. They, get, they become more blind, is what I'm trying to say. A person becomes more blind. Because why? I, they, maybe they did it on their own when they got victory. Maybe it was a strength they made on their own, and now they become more blind to God. Instead, of, so there's a blindness that happens by the by the devil in, in the world, right? We know that, and it can happen to any of us, even as as believers. We can fall prey to that. So let me. We're going to go to second. Okay, so um, Second Corinthians. This is what I'm. Uh, so the. The binding of the devil is his armor. This is what I'm trying to say. His armor is being taken away from him. So if we, and I want to go to 2 Corinthians 10. And it just mentions here, Paul is mentioning the devil's armor. Right? 2 Corinthians 10. And it's verse 3 to, three to 6. So we have, you and I have an armor, right? We have an armor. The devil has armor today. Um... In 2 Corinthians uh, yeah, 10, but before I go there, in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 4, I want to read this, read this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Okay. In whom the let's I'll start in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Um, two thoughts here, and, and also in Ephesians 2, I'm going to bring this up. I just want to bring this up about Satan. And uh, this Chafer mentioned this, and I think it's, I think it's interesting. God of this world and, and prince of the power of the air is something the devil wasn't necessarily called in the Old Testament. Right? Not that he wasn't. It's obviously two, there's two, uh, reason, two potential reasons why that is. We just now have more revelation of who he is. You know, just simply that, right? by the apostles. But also, because of his judgment, his, Schaefer brings this out, his judgment, because he, he now has different tactics to blind the minds of the unsaved, right? Meaning, prince of the power of the air means the, heaven, the heavenly realms. Prince of the power of the air, his authority, his dominions, his uh, Ephesians 6 uh, talks about, you know, the, the powers he has in heaven, the, 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 in, his, in the heavens, and uh, his, his own authority with the demons. And so he has maybe, you know, a, a new strategy on how he's influencing the minds of people. Which is an interesting thought, you know, just that he, bring, he brings that out. So it's, but it's also at the same time, it could just be, you know, we're given more revelation of who he is, what he's about, his believers, right, by the apostle. So anyway, let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians. I just read that to spark your interest on Satan and who he is in, in this world today. And anyway, so in, uh, so, so in chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, but just a little backdrop here is interesting too before we touch this. So Paul in this chapter is kind of defending himself a little bit. Because it's interesting, he's accused, he's accused of three things. One is his appearance. Paul's appearance, they say, is base, meaning like he looks kind of weakly. So apparently Paul had an appearance that wasn't very, we, I don't, we don't know. Some say he may, he may have had an eye disease, possibly. Um, they just say he was, he was, was a base, they use the word, he uses the word base here. Meaning, you know, not, you know, nothing, nothing to brag. Paul was nothing to brag about to look at. That's the point. And then it mentions his voice. His voice was contemptible, which means despicable. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. He had a funny voice, squeaky voice. He had, you know, he didn't look good. He didn't sound that great. He wasn't like. In other words, he wasn't a great orator. Paul, he was not this great orator. I mean, he's. In, I mean, the man's incredible. Right? And we, you know, we all admire him. Because he's a, you know the apostle to to the Gentiles, to Gentiles, but he wasn't much in terms of the outward. And then the third thing was he said he was fleshly. In other words, he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't spirit filled. He wasn't supernatural. Going on, yeah. So he had these things coming against him. He's defending himself. So it's interesting. So that's the background in Second Corinthians ten with Paul. These attacks, you know, these attacks that are against him personally. It's very interesting. So then he, anyway, so he says, he says this. He'll start, uh, I'll start in verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh, after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now he doesn't mention the weapons here, but they're, they're the Ephesians six weapons, right? If we have time, we'll just go through those. You know, they're amazing to, to talk about a little bit. But, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
So now we're talking about Satan's strongholds now, his strongholds. I mean, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, does Satan still have the ability to, for the demons to possess people? Yeah, they do, right? He does. But he also has, he also, and he's been disarmed. He's, you know, his authority has been taken away, uh, meaning, you know, he hasn't been thrown out of, this, thrown out of the, the throne of heaven yet, but he will someday, that will happen. It's already been predestined that he's going to be thrown out. But his authority has been, has, has been ranked, taken away from him. So casting down, uh, pulling down a stronghold. So this is where I want to go right here, verse 5 and, and 6. So casting down, here they are. There's three. Three things here of Satan's armor. It's interesting. Casting down imaginations, number one. Number two, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then the third one, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, so casting down, I'm just gonna cover these words uh, in the original because it is really bring out a lot. It helps us here to think, think of what they are. So Paul is saying casting down imagination. What is he talking? The word there is reasons. It's like literally you come like coming to a concrete conclusion in your mind about something. Like you've thought it through, whether it's in school, whether it's your job, you know, you come to a conclusion. You know, it's a reason, it's basically human reasoning. That's the that's the point. It's human reasoning. But it's false reasoning against the knowledge of God. It's specifically against the knowledge of God. Yeah. It's being specific. We could have we could be on our jobs, and we get reasonings on our jobs, and then they're normal, precise reasonings. But he's talking about specifically against the knowledge of God. So people have human reasonings, concrete thinking, what they thought that what they what they believe and they thought it through, against the knowledge. You know, it's false though. Paul is saying it's human reasoning is false. Right? That's that's the imaginations. That's the meaning of imaginations. The second one is high things. And the high things mean literally high, the high thing meaning arrogance. It's talking about arrogance. It means arrogant arguments. Arrogant arguments. Like a little bit, almost a little emotional, but they're just very bold, in your face arguments. You know, have you had anybody, you know, I've had people with, I don't know, like for example, evolution. Because right? like, they have a lot of information on evolution, though, though, uh, it's still theory, but they're in your face about it. You know? I've had conversations, you know, through the years, here and there with people. That's just one subject, but it could be any subject. But referring, again, against the knowledge of God. So they're arrogant arguments. So there's the second one. And then the third one is, this, is this, this one I like, this is awesome. And bringing, and then he goes, then he says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's an amazing sentence. So thought here, this is interesting. This thought here is specifically a concept in your mind or an abstract idea, right? Which we all have those, right? There's nothing wrong with having those. Everything we do, everything that's been made started with a thought, right? Started with a concept. That's just the way life is. I mean, God spoke the heavens into existence. They're in his mind, right? So everything's, but, these are abstract ideas, concepts, right? 
that are contrary, contrary to who God is, who Christ is, the knowledge of God. But, it, but the, look what he says about that one. To the obedience of Christ. Not to my obedience. Not to your obedience. To, to the obedience of Christ. In other words, it's a concrete, it's a non-concrete thought. It's abstract, it's concept, it's like idea. But it's brought into it's brought into captivity to the reality of the obedience of Christ, who he is and what he has done. That reality. Okay. So that being said, I'm just, I'm just going to give a couple examples of these. I think it's if we two are two are in the uh, in the Gospels, and one is just uh, uh, a personal one. Uh, like I'll do that one now. Like for example, what let's talk about let's talk about false concepts. Right? Let's talk about that false concepts, abstract. And I, one one that came to my mind was when my father got saved. It was wow. it was really interesting. Like. I was the first one in my family got saved. We were a pretty large family. Of course, it was a drastic change. I mean, I, we were not Christian people, right? I mean, you know, moral somewhat, you know, but just the average people, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, when I got saved, it was it was drastic. I was I was almost in church. I, my friendships changed immediately. My I just had you know you hit the zeal when you first get saved. So you know, my parents knew that I was changed now. I'm in church. Churches now, it's like it's like. Of course, I had spoken to my father a couple times the gospel, not not well, not clearly, but we got to a, we got to a couple of small places. So anyway, to make a long story short, near the end of his life, he got saved at the end of his life, one month before he died, he got saved. So I'm on the phone with him. This is I'm on, I'm on the phone with him because I'm in Baltimore, he's in Pittsburgh. So, and you know, and he was having, you know, heart issues, health issues major. He, he just, he almost, we almost lost him on the table. He, he had a heart attack, they almost lost him. And he was, he was in pretty bad shape. So where I called him, we're talking. So I said to him, I, said, I just said this simple thing, very simple. And I said, Dad, you know, I never believed that you were a person who didn't believe in God. I never believed that about you. All I'm saying to you is, God the Father wants us all to take the next step and accept his son as our savior. Because he did not pay for our sins. The Father did not pay for his son did. You know what he said? I, th I mean, to me, I was like, I don't know if I even, I wasn't always saying much. He goes, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was like the light went off. Literally, the lights went off. And he got saved. He got saved. He died, a, he died a month later. Yeah. I mean, it was just a concept in his mind about the Father and, the, and Christ. God was something a little vague. He did believe there was a God. How he related to Christ, he had no idea. It was just it was vague. It was just this vague concept. It wasn't concrete. It was vague, right? And I just said that simple thing. I mean, it wasn't like some elaborate message, right? It was just some, and it broke the, the it, you know what it was? It was the light, it was the light of, sec, well, 2 Corinthians 4, the light of the gospel, right? Because Satan had blinded his mind with a silly, false concept. And the gospel had the power. You know, I'll just say, Romans 1, 
uh, who probably most of all was known that, but Romans 1, how Paul talks about the gospel has the power unto salvation, okay, to everyone that believes. Just that simple statement. This, the message, the simple message of the gospel has power to say, and by the way, nothing else. He's not adding anything to it. It's not the, it's not the gospel plus anything. It's just, he it just simply says, the gospel has the power of salvation. Power of salvation. So in other words, you take someone who, you take belief and you connect it to, connected to the gospel, and bam, you got salvation. I mean, in simplicity, it's it. And the power, but what's the power? The stronger one, the stronger one, the Holy Spirit is involved, he's at work. The Holy Spirit has the message, and the Holy Spirit does the conversion to salvation. But it's just those, like belief and, and the gospel message, when they connect, when those two connect, bam, bam. Like God is there. It's light coming to the earth, so to speak. Light coming to the world in your salvation. It's that simple. And, this, and I'm just saying that about these other two things. These imagine, imaginations, these reasonings that people have. That we all have, all of us have. But I'm talking specifically people in the world or, or people of other faiths or whatever. Their reasonings, false reasonings, human reasonings. But how, how are they dealt with? Through the light of the word of God. That's it. Like the light. I'm just going to just finish this. Uh, verse six. I'll say this. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay. So what is he saying? We don't. We don't revenge. We don't get revenge towards people. Right. It's not revenging myself towards the person. It's not personal. I revenge disobedience by giving them the gospel or giving them. God's mind or wisdom. And when I do that, I disarm them. They're, I'm disarming the devil. I'm disarming. Like when I spoke to my father, there was a disarming that went on. There was a binding that happened just through the word, just through the power of the word. I, you know, God leads us. He gives us wisdom when we speak to people. And uh, we may not have to have a certain exact verse, but we might, we're, we're speaking truth to them. We're speaking truth, right? And we're disarming. Instead of attacking them, I'm just simply using the word with the spirit. And there's a disarming going on. We're literally disarming. I mean, that's, the that's all the devil has. He's the father of all lies. All he has right now is lies going on. People are in bondages. People are in struggles. And we uh, probably even ourselves with issues, right? Obviously, we do. We all have them. But it's, you know what the bottom line is? Lies. This is lies. Yeah. That's it. The bottom line is lies. But these are the lies. Under lies, you can put these three words. False imaginations, false reasons, human reasonings. That's one, that's one of his lies, major ones. The second one's arrogant arguments. The second one. And the third one is false concepts, abstract ideas. Right? But they're all, they're all literally disarmed through the word. Like how many times do we see Christ in the Bible? Just speak the word. Yeah, you know, I, a couple couple of places in the Gospels were after Christ. I love this. I, I was reading this recently. After Christ spoke, like two or three times, you see, and after the people would respond by saying, "We never heard a man speak such gracious words." Number one, that was the first thing he said, and the second thing was, 
He said he speaks with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. So he had authority when he spoke. He had authority, but he also had gracious words. And this is what touched them. And then they said, isn't that, and then they were like, wait a minute now, isn't that Joseph's son, Carpenter? Is that, yeah. It's like they're trying, to, they're trying to figure it out. He's just like one of us. He's, one of, he's just Carpenter. He's just with the sin. He really said, but then, it, but then when he spoke the power, there was the anointing. There was the, his anointing in his life. And, and they responded to they responded to the anointing, the spirit. The spirit they responded to, right? He was just speaking. That's all he was doing, just talking. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to go into Ephesians six. It's, it's obviously it's, it's our armor. It's a lot. There's a lot there to talk about. So I don't want to hit into that. I think we. I think I just wanted to hit hit this thought here, only to say this one one simple thought about the armor in, in Ephesians six thirteen to eighteen. Um, this is what we put on five or deep. I'll just say seven. Five of the seven, seven parts of the armor. Seven, right? if you include prayer, which we do, right? Prayer is our armor. So five are defensive. Five of the armors, five parts of the armor, the defense, and two are offense. The two offense are the sword and prayer. Those are offensive weapons, and you know, for us as believers, the sword. The sword is our confession. Basically, it's our confession of the word. You know, that's our sword, right? That's always spoken of that one. And prayer is all in. Prayer is our communion, it's our life source. It's it's, you know, obviously a key part of our life that we by the grace of God gets developed in our life. You know, as we as we go forward, we're weak, we're tired, we're but you know what God all God just I mean I don't know how many times I'm so weak, I'm tired, I feel like I can't pray. If I never pray enough, I've just always got those thoughts. But God, you know what God does? Constantly encourages me to pray. Anyway, that's like, in other words, to go beyond our thinking just encourages us to pray. And we don't know, I mean, I think we do, probably all of us have a testimony about prayer in our lives, small prayers, big prayers, miraculous prayers that happen years later. Or, um, but our armor is, is amazing. Each, each part of it's an amazing, that's a whole, Couple of messages in itself, just talking about our armor, but Ephesians six. But I just wanted to, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to spend any more time on, on, on going there. Just to, I guess that my message tonight was, <clears throat> the, as far as the binding of the strong man, is um, yeah, there's a deaf and dumbness, right, that the devil puts on people, puts on the human race, but he's been bound. And we do a disarming through the word, literally through the word. We're not revenge. We're not revengeful against people. We literally give the word, and there's a it's because it's spirit. It's it's, it's spiritual. Right? It's a spiritual battle. So that's all. I just uh, uh, just want to get that thought uh, about armor, our armor, devil's armor, our armor, and uh, the binding, yeah, that goes on in life. So. So, Lord, just thank you for these thoughts and um, what you've given to us. You, you have bound the devil. God, he has been bound. That happened when you were crucified. That was, that was the binding forever on, on him. And now through your word and spirit, Lord, we just walk, we just walk in it. We just walk in that, in that light. And so we just thank you and praise you. We'll just commit this evening to you in Christ's name. Amen.